gospel about Pentecost Sunday. So the, I'll start from Luke chapter 24 and we'll, we'll let Jesus do some talking. All right, Luke chapter 24 and verse, we'll start at verse 49. It says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When they had led them out, uh, when he had led them out to the, uh, the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. We move into what we, a lot of us will know the Pentecost story or the, the account is in Acts chapter 2. But before we re start reading, what we need to understand is, we st I just read there from Luke 24. So that was the last chapter in Luke's gospel. Now Acts is actually written by Luke. Acts is written by Luke. So when we start, when we move into Acts chapter 1, what we're really doing is, Luke actually recaps what he just spoke about. So I'm just going to quickly read from uh, Acts chapter 1 and, and keep, just so we can keep the continuity and understand when we move into Acts 2, what's actually going on. Uh, uh, this is Luke speaking. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, Theo Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating, he said to them, uh, eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is what we saw there is the end of Luke's gospel and the, and the recap here before Luke starts to tell about the actual coming of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about where Jesus was prophesying the Holy Spirit being poured out. And, and one of my favorite descriptions of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was in a, in the, at the end of Luke in, in uh, 24, where it says, you will be clothed with power. Right there already, we can start to see that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not just a feel-good thing, where it's not just an internal work. It's actually, we, we start to get the sense that there's something a bit more active going on. And so as we move into uh, Acts chapter 2, we, we, we start at the start and we say, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And there's a few other translations that I love. One is, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And it says, they're all together in one accord. Suddenly, like a sound of a, of the, like a sound Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what we're dealing with right there is we get a little bit of tradition that kicks in. If you're anything like me, I, I said I came back to God 
20 years ago. Well, before that, there was an eight-year period where I wasn't walking with God. But before that, from about the age of two, I was walking with God. And I went to Sunday school every Sunday, had my little Bible picture books and stuff like that. And there were a few different things that in my Pentecost Sunday Bible book, there was a picture of the disciples and they had this little candle on their head, a flame about this little thing, little flame of head, little like, except, which is nice and pretty and cool and very palatable. But that doesn't line up with what the text actually says. The text says you'll be baptized with fire. Word baptized is a Greek word baptizo, which means immersed. Immersed, submerged, dunked, totally, totally overwhelmed. So when we're reading this where it says a tongue of fire came on them, I think the picture of a little candle on the head doesn't do it justice. I think what we really are dealing with is an immersion in fire where each person would have been like pillars of fire. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they're talking about being in some upper room. And there's an upper, and this is a, a bit of a, a, a controversial thing where most of us, we, we think that this took place in an upper room because we're told about this upper room. Except at the end of Luke's gospel, we saw that they were continually, constantly in the temple worshipping. So if they're constantly in their temple worshipping and praying, and then this encounter happens... It stands to reason that that encounter happened in the temple. Taking it further, because they start to speak in tongues, and everybody's hearing them starting to speak in tongues. If they're in some upper room, I don't care how vocal you are, unless you're in a little apartment, your neighbors can't hear too much about what you're saying. So where it stands to reason is they're in a public place when they start to pray in tongues. Now, this isn't, it doesn't theologically matter too much, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to break down some of our preconceived ideas about this day of Pentecost. This isn't just like a special little holy moment. No, this is an encounter where fire covers people, where power clothes people, where Jesus himself clothes people with power, baptizes them with fire. And this is what we know as the birth of the church. The birth of the church was not a pleasant little moment. It was an encounter where it says a violent, the sound was like a violent rushing wind where fire clothed people. It was a, it was a vicious encounter. It was a, a moment that was to be reckoned with. And it's important that we take that mindset in to understanding what it is to be a born-again believer. To be a believer who walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's very important. This is the difference between religion and being a follower of Christ. This is, one of the, this is one of the key aspects of understanding what it is to be a follower of Christ. Because as we start to understand what it is to be a follower of Christ, we look at John chapter 14. And Melissa touched on this last week. It says this, John chapter 14 verse 12 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Whoever believes in me, that is actually the little tiny qualification of being a born-again believer. Whether you understand the term born-again, whether you gel with it or not, it doesn't actually matter. You are. But, but what it's saying is, but it's a believer. It's a believer. Whoever believes in me, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Will do. 
that's not saying can do. There's an expectation there. You will. And if you're anything like me, I'm not. You will. But then he says, you'll be doing what I've been doing and even greater. No, hang on, what does it say? Will do even greater. Will do even greater. Now, there's this story in uh, Mark's gospel where Jesus was going to preach at a place. Like, he actually went back to his old neighborhood and he was speaking to people that he, you know, grew up with and families that knew his family and all of this. And, and then he had this really strange encounter. This, a really strange encounter. Mark chapter 6 and verse 5. I want us to see this because this is, this, is, this is pretty important when we're trying to wrap the proper context of what this baptism of power, this baptism of the Holy Spirit actually is. Jesus had this weird encounter where he could, do, could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. He could not do any miracles. Except, so like my, like, okay, let's just say we're going to pray for people a little bit later on. And, and if you have, need healing in your body, I believe God's going to, he's going to, you're going to encounter Jesus and he will heal you. If you need uh, healing in your heart, I believe God's going to have a word for you that's going to just shift things and, and, and healing will take place. Right? And for me, if, if we see people get healed, from the things that we've just spoken about, I am blown away. I'm like, wow, God moved. But it says here, he couldn't do any miracles except heal a few sick people. Like, healing a few sick people is recorded here in Scripture as Jesus having a bad day. He's just not on that day. That was a bad day for Jesus. Well, I mean, that's a good day for me. As I know, I'm a Pentecostal pastor. I believe in the power of God. I, I walk by faith. I'm a word of faith preacher. I see God move, and I believe he, he's still alive and active and wants to move on earth today and still does. And that's a good day for me. So where we've got is this disparity between a good day for me is a bad day for Jesus. But Jesus said, those that believe in me will do what I do and greater, but I'm not seeing that. There is a problem there. And now what we're invited into is we're invited to get real with Jesus or we can decide that we know more than the Scripture and rationalize things and shift stuff around to make our experience, make the Scripture fit with our experience. Or we can accept the fact that this Word is infallible. It's the Word of God. And we can submit our opinions and our experiences to this Word. And we can say, you know what, God? This is what I'm seeing, feeling, experiencing. This is my past, my history. This is everything I know. And I see it doesn't line up with what your Word says. Therefore, I submit my experience to your Word. That is humility. Some people think humility is like, well, Jesus could do all the miracles and I'm just little lowly me and can't do the miracles. Therefore, and I admit it, therefore I'm humble. No. I was about to get quite abrupt. No, you're not humble. You're proud. You think your opinion supersedes the Word of God. 
You think your opinion supersedes the word of God. That means you're proud. It means you think you're smarter than God. Come on. What humility is, is saying, God, you're smarter than me. God, I don't understand it, but because you say it, okay. Like the, te- the passage Melissa was referring to earlier where Jesus said to Peter, cast your net again. Peter's like, I'm this experienced fisherman. I know what I'm doing here. But because you say so, okay. And, and this is what we're invited into is, is this tension between what we experience and what the Word says. And what we have to appreciate is that the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, everything changed. Everything changed. That was the day the church was born, and that was the day that everything changed. And you and me are invited into this transforming experience. So what I want to do this morning is I want to touch on why, how, and then we're going to do. You know, there's a, in, in Galatians, it's right through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's, it, um, but Galatians puts it really succinctly. Galatians 5.14 says this, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, this is a tripping point on, on a heap of levels, and I just want to go through a few of them. One of the, the things we need to understand here, and there's another place that sort of is a, a parallel scripture to this, where Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, and, and that sums up the law and the prophets. So he's bringing these, the, this instruction He says, this is the totality of the law. And to understand what the law is, the law is the way you be righteous in your own actions. The way you earn perfection in God's eyes is the law. The law, what we learnt through the entire Old Testament, is impossible to keep. And in fact, in places it says, if you could keep the law, you wouldn't need Christ because he wouldn't need to die if you could do it by yourself. So when we're reading this thing, love your neighbor as yourself, it's actually pretty hard to do. In fact, I'm going to take it one step further because it says that sums up the law. The law is impossible to keep. You can't do it right there. You can't do it. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Can't do it because that's the law. And the law, by design, is above. You, you, you can't get there. Loving your neighbor as yourself, the instruction by design is an impossible target. So don't beat yourself up too much. But what we do get into, we're invited into this idea that love your neighbor as yourself. And some of you guys don't love yourself. I will take it further. Most of us, sure we have our good days, but it's something we struggle with. You know that most people, the, the statistics for when you, like, when people go to the doctor, they go and get a prescription Half of the prescriptions aren't filled. That means you don't even go to the chemist and pay for it. They just sit there as paper. Of the ones that are filled, about half of them, again, aren't taken properly or aren't taken. 
But when people take their pet to the vet, when they get the prescription from the vet, almost all of those prescriptions are filled, are filled out and administered correctly. Most people love their dog more than they love themselves. True story. True story. So we're at this point where we don't even like ourselves as much as we like an animal. In our mind, in our eyes, most people are lower than an animal when it comes to actually, do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? So when you're saying here and we're invited into this, this is an already impossible target, an already impossible challenge. You can't do it anyway. Let's just put it there. So you've already got this massively impossible target, which, you know, you, you know, <laughs> be nice to be able to get to. But then when we don't even have the first part, Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of you love your neighbor more than you love yourself. And you don't do a very good job at loving your neighbor. Come on. We're doing a terrible job at loving our neighbor. But we're treating them better than we treat ourselves. This is a sad state of affairs, people. And what we're invited into with this, the Holy Spirit coming to earth is, is God himself is here. God himself has residence in your body. God loves you so much. You are pretty special in God's eyes. And we remember the little discussion we had earlier about understanding what humility is. Humility is saying, God, you're smarter than me. God, if, you're say, if you say something, I believe that over my own opinion because... You're God and I'm me. So when we're in, we're in, like as we read through Scripture, we see so many places where God actually says how amazing you are. John chapter three, three six, uh, verse sixteen is the most classic. It says God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son to die for you. That the Lord Jesus came, God incarnate came and died in your place because of this amazing love God had for you. This outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not just an outpouring of external power that can be expressed through miracles. It is that, and we can never take away from that. Don't let tradition take, take let, don't let that be taken away from you. But it's also God of the universe baptized you with Himself. He covered you and immersed you in Himself. You know, there's one of the, the, the descriptions of God. It says God is love. You're baptized in love. You're immersed in love. And what I want us to do, and what I think we, when we understand that God loves us unequivocally, I don't even think that said it right, but whatever. We know what I meant. We need to understand that the God of heaven loves us. The God of heaven wants more for you. And when we encounter him, we aren't, like, like it's not, a, Jesus doesn't, he never makes us do anything. That's just to start with, he doesn't. The whole point of the Garden of Eden where there was 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil in this, in this garden. The whole point of it was options. The whole point of it was free will. The whole point of it was you are a free will being where you have power, where you have options. And God doesn't, God, Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you come into relationship with me, you're going to just walk in the fullness of that relationship. He wants you to. He invites us to. This whole book is about how to. The Holy Spirit being poured out on us is the power to do that. But he doesn't force it on us. What it does is we're drawn, we're invited into this relationship. We're invited into this opportunity. And what I want us to do this morning is to say yes. I'm just going to invite the worship team back up. And I want us to respond to God's invitation. You know, when we were in worship before, I just felt like these big ice walls around people. And, and I just knew that the only way for those walls to come down is for them to be melted. It'll be melted. And that, that, the, the ice walls around our heart, this coldness, this protection, God's wanting to melt them with His love. He's wanting to encounter you with His love. He's wanting you to encounter His love. He's wanting to connect with you in a real and tangible way that transforms your heart. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We, we know you're here already, but we just declare that we are so, so, uh, we want you in this place. You are wanted. You are welcome. You are the honored guest in your house. I really believe that God's starting to just, to, to, you can even just see some hearts just cracking open like a seed and a green sprout coming. And I, I think God's just starting to move even right now. So often we've disqualified ourselves. It said that Jesus could do no miracles in this place because of their lack of faith. It says he was amazed at their lack of faith. Can you imagine being so stubborn that it amazes Jesus? The all-knowing one is amazed at how stubborn you are. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus wants to encounter you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants an encounter with you. He's inviting, you know, right through the New Testament, there were times where it just says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is talking about people that had already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says they were filled. It's talking about a fresh fire, a fresh infilling. Some people here may never have entered into that initial, some people here might not have ever been born again. And just, I'm just going to, before we go any further, let's just get that out of the way because this is the start of the journey. If you've never been born again, and what do I mean by that? You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Today's your moment. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you've never been born again, you've never chosen to follow Jesus, I want you to pray it and mean it with all of your heart. Repeat after me, church. Dear Jesus, I choose to follow you. I choose to repent of my old ways. From today forward, 
I'm a follower of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, just, I just want to just seal that. If anyone's made that decision for the first time with nobody looking around, I just invite you to pop your hand in the air just because I can know I'd like to pray with you particularly a bit, little bit later. Just one more moment. One more moment. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts. Just stir, stir us up, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to worship church, and I just think God's just going to flow. I mean, I'm just going to be be flexible here because I, I know God wants to move and I wouldn't presume how he wants to move. Thank you, Jesus. For those that would like, I invite you to your feet. For those that would like to just, just have uh, be prayed for personally, and, uh, invite you forward. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I invite you to, I would love to be able to pray with you and, and God will do that now. Jesus will do that when we pray. Let's stand church and worship. Let's let the Holy Spirit flow. Come light the fire, Lord God. Light the fire, Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want more. 